morning, everyone. Good seeing you all here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are so happy that you have come our way, and I know that we feel blessed that you have been here because of that very fact that we've had these opportunities to worship together with one another and spend time around the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Nolan, for your thoughts that help us center our focus upon what Jesus has done for us in his sacrifice and, of course, the purchasing of our souls by his, his blood. So good to see all of you here this morning. Those of you who are online, you're welcomed as well. So let's go ahead and get into the message this morning. So what do you think? Do you think that good news is hard to come by these days? I mean, does it seem like there's just a lot of bad news that is out there, that there's a lot of sensationalism, a lot of mayhem, a lot of murder, a lot of just a lot of negative things that comes through various kinds of media, media avenues? I mean, there's an old saying that says, if it bleeds, it leads. And so when you look into a lot of the news that's going on today, you see a lot of negative things that are out there. But here's the thing. We as human beings, we kind of move our minds toward the, toward the negative, that we, we really do dial in on those things that are negative in nature and the bad news itself. And that's why a lot of the media avenues, they lead with bad news because the truth of the matter is, is that when it comes down to news channels or any kind of news avenue or venue, it's all about you know, bringing in listeners. It's all about making some money. And so they're going to lead with that which sells the most or brings in the most listeners. And the truth is, is that a lot of bad news is what really brings the people in. We're, we are interested in seeing what's going on in a very negative kind of, of nature. For instance, very seldom do you hear news where they talk about how beautiful the sunshine was in San Diego or in Anaheim and how people are having a great time at Disneyland. They'll talk about the winter storms that are blowing through the central part of the United States and how there's great drifts and that it's a, you know, it's a polar bomb that's hitting. So it's that kind of a thing that is, is there. And so we kind of move towards that which is negative. And if you don't think that's true... Then think about the news that probably we have heard over the last, at least, let's say just the last month. I think it's been going over a lot longer than that, but just consider some of the bad news that has gone on through the, this last month. For instance, well, will Russia invade the Ukraine? Or inflation is at a 40-year high at 7.5% interest, you know, and, and that it was just not, a little over a year ago, 1.40%. Hillary's back in the news with a Durham report, and which probably ended up becoming Russiagate. And not only that, but the media darling, you know, Trump is going to be back in the news as well. There's a crisis at the southern border. Uh, who will Aaron Rodgers sign with next season? People are really concerned about where that guy is going to end up. Is he going to become a Bronco? Is he going to become a, a Dolphin? You know, what is this guy going to do? Or is he just going to stay as a Green Bay Packer? Uh, they're already talking about the 2022 midterms. We've been hearing about that for months already. And now they're talking about the 2024 election. And we're only one year into the new president. And now we're thinking about that. Crime in the streets, shootings and ambushing cops and stabbings and people being pushed into in front of uh, subway trains and people being beaten uh, for no apparent reason and, and on and on it goes. Racism, BLM, you know, CRT, white supremacists and, and of course the pandemic, you know, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, wear masks, don't wear masks, vaccinate, don't vaccinate. All that stuff is there constantly in our our face and that's just a sampling if you were to just to go to say if you were to just to put up msn as a web 
page and just look at all the negative news that is there it's overwhelming if you were to look at fox news it's the same kind of thing so there's a lot of negative news that is really out there uh, around us but let me ask you this with me saying all of this and sharing with you all these things would you say that your anxiety levels or your stress levels after reading all the bad news do you think that it goes up or do you think it goes goes down does it encourage your spirit or does it lift your spirit and the truth of the matter is, is when you look at all the bad news in real time, is there really anything that you can do about that? From your living room chair, sitting there surfing on your iPad or your smartphone or, or watching the news itself, is there any, really anything you can do about Russia being at the border of the Ukraine or where Aaron Rodgers are going to end up? Or CRT or any of those things, is there anything that you can really do about that other than sit there and just fret about it? And worry about it. Bad news is just so pervasive. You can't hardly get away from it. And for some, to some degree, it's maybe because that news anymore is like 24 hours a day. You can watch news around the clock. And I don't know if you know this, but almost all sections of news, they last no more than two minutes, two and a half minutes. And then they move on to another topic. And the reason is because they don't have time to talk about those things. They don't have time to give you all the really information that you really need to, in order for you to really make an informed decision because they're looking for sound bites. They're looking for bringing the next person in. They're looking to grab your attention. So there's this all kinds of bad news that is out there. And that's why I think we need to hear about good news. That I think that good news is something that should be talked more about by Christians and by, by preachers. Even preachers fall into that trap of dealing with the negative more so than with that which is positive. In fact, I even started out with a negative, didn't I? But I want to move us toward good news because I think good news really is something that we really do need in our lives. That it's something that is necessary for our lives. And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you a few lessons about good news. Good news that Jesus brought that would change our lives, that would cause our lives to shift. That would cause our lives to shift from that which is negative to that which is positive. Because in reality, though the, news, you know, though the news media is talking about all the negative things that are happening, there are a lot of positive things that are happening. And there's a lot of positive things that you find written in the scriptures themselves. So with that in mind, open your Bibles, if you would, over to Matthew, the fourth chapter. Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, I want us to look at verses 23 down through uh, 25 because I think it has some good news. Listen to what he says here. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all who were ill, those suffering from various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea from beyond the Jordan. So here's what Jesus is doing. It says that he's going out through all Galilee and news about him has spread. And he's going about throughout Galilee and beyond, and it says that he is proclaiming or he is heralding or preaching the good news of the kingdom, which says this, that the kingdom has in good news involved in it. And so as you talk about good news and as you talk about what it's all about in terms of our lives, I think in order to deal with at least the first segment of, of good news this morning is to look at some of the good news basics. 
There are two fundamental basics that makes good news good news. And without them, you really don't have good news. And so what are those basics to bring us to, well, you know, to good news in our lives? Well, basic number one is this. Good news must be real application uh, in order for it to have real meaning in our lives. Look at that again. Good news must have real application in order for it to have real uh, meaning in our, our lives. It, in other words, it must have a particular application to your life in order for it to have significance. For instance, l- let me illustrate it this way. Behind me, you see this stack of Oreo cookies, right? Let's say that, you know, Oreo cookies are your favorite. You love Oreo cookies more than anything in the, the world. You know, that, that dark, chocolatey, you know, outside layer of the cookie and sandwiched between those real nice chocolatey flavored cookie things is a little pad of vanilla that is there. And if you have a glass of milk that goes along with it, then that's great. It's like, it's the best thing. It's like manna from heaven, right? That's what Oreos are about. Nabisco really hit it a big one when they came out with this Oreo kind of thing, okay? But let's say that sadly, sadly, you go to the doctor and you've been going through some tests because you haven't been feeling all that great and you find out that you have a gluten allergy, that you react severely to gluten. And guess what is in, what is in Oreos? Gluten. And now you know that you can never eat that favorite cookie that you've always loved. You can never eat another Oreo cookie the rest of your life. Never mind that you can't eat cereal and pasta and bread. You cannot eat an Oreo cookie. That's it. And you have now gone that way for, say, two years. And after two years, you're sitting down one morning and you're having breakfast and you're watching the news and the news says that Nabisco has come up with a gluten-free Oreo. Woohoo! Great news! You can now eat gluten-free Oreos, and that's going to be great. And so you say to yourself, self, as soon as I get home from work, leave from work tonight, I'm going to stop by Albertsons, and I'm going to buy 10 packs of Oreos. <laughs> gluten-free Oreos, and I'm going to buy 5 gallons of milk, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to eat Oreos and drink milk until I can't eat any more of those things. And you're super happy, but then as the newscast begins to end, the journalist says, however, gluten-free Oreo cookies are only found in Smorgravia. (laughs) It's a little country in the Baltics right below Lithuania. And all those people have gluten problems. So Nabisco has come up with a gluten-free cookie for them. But the bad news is, is Nabisco was saying that that cookie will probably never come to the United States. So this good news that you heard now isn't good news to you. Why? Because it's not applicational to you. It doesn't apply to you. It applies to those more gravians, but it doesn't apply to me. And so it doesn't have real meaning in my life. So for good news to be good news, it has to have an application to your life. It has to have meaning to your life. That's what Jesus was about. The other basic is the degree of good in good news is determined by the degree of its impact. It has to have an impact. It has to have a degree of impact in your life to make it a a good news. Let me explain it to you this way. 
the degree of impact has to do with the good news being good news, better news, or the best news. And the degree of how that news comes to you is determined by the impact into your life, okay? So here's how it works. So Uncle Sam decides that he needs you. He needs your son. You've raised your son up from a baby, and now he's come into adulthood, and we have gotten into some kind of conflict around the globe, and we're going to war. And so the country, or the president announces, we're going to war with X country. And sons, you know, by nature, they're into that. Fighting and dying in, in wars in the West has always been the business of young, of young men. Send young men to fight the wars. And those young men, when they find out that there's a call to action in our nation, they go out and they go out, say, by the thousands. And they sign up to go fight the war. Well, the business of young men is to fight wars. But worrying and grieving and loss, that's the business of parents. And so your young man, at the announcement of a war being, going to be fought, he goes up and he enlists and he is shipped over across the ocean to go fight in that war. And he's there for a while. And after some months, you get a phone call from the, the War Department and they say to you, we have some good news for you. What's the good news? The good news is that the war has ended. But there's better. Not only has the war ended, there's better news. Your son is alive. And not only is your son alive and the war has ended, but there's the best news. Your son is coming home. Good, better, best news. And so the degree of good news is determined by how much it impacts you, the degree it, it impacts you, how it, how it speaks to you. That's what makes it good news. And that's how Jesus uses it when it says that Jesus came and he came to proclaim good news of the kingdom. That it's going to directly affect you. It's going to be applicable to you. It's going to give real meaning to the good news. And not only that, it's going to have a strong degree to it that it's going to impact your life in some incredible ways. So when you talk about good news in the New Testament, that's what this news is about. The good news presented in the New Testament becomes incredibly good news because it conforms to both of those fundamental basics, those fundamental things about what makes good news. The good news that we're going to learn about over the next couple of weeks is news that has to do with a personal application to your life. It has a degree of impact, and it makes it incredibly good news, the best news. And the word that, that Matthew, as well as Luke and others, chose to use here, as well as Paul the Apostle and others, is the word gospel. Now, I'm going to take for granted that almost all of us in here know that the word gospel means good news. But where did it come from? Well, good news, or the gospel comes from, uh, the English word gospel comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Godspell, which means uh, the story of God. Which tells me that when, when we're talking about the gospel or the good news, we're talking about God's involvement in our lives. That it emanates, it begins, good news begins by, through God our Father and through his Son, Jesus Christ. With him sending his Son into the world to die for our sins, that really is good news. There's a macabre kind of 
thing about it, but at the same time, it's good news because of how it affects us. And as we gathered around the Lord's Supper this morning, and we thought about Jesus a body that was without any kind of sin dying in my place and that he was willing to pour out his blood for my forgiveness of sin so that I could one day be in heaven with God, that's good news. Bad news that God's son had to die. Good news that he did die for, for us. And the word that they use is the word euangelion. That's the word, euangelion. And it literally means good tidings. Good tidings is what it means. It's like there's a battle that's going on and a runner is sent with a message back to the commanders saying, we won the battle, we won the victory. That's the message. So euangelion is a two-part word, angelion or angeloi, which means a message. So a message is being sent, a good message, a good tidings message. It's like what was read to us a few moments ago out of Luke, the second chapter, and verse 10 that, read, that Lance read to us, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Some translation says, I bring to you good tidings of great joy for you and for all the people. For in the city of David is born to you a Savior. That's the good news. That's what that word means. And so when you talk about good news, you're talking about all those things that connect Jesus. The gospel is not just any one thing. Depending on the context, the gospel can mean a lot of things or move out to a lot of things. The gospel begins centrally with Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. If you were to say it's a hub of a will, and then it goes out in many different kinds of spokes as you talk about how the good news affects our lives and moves into our lives in real kinds of ways. So, so what are the implications of the good news? What are the, how, does it, you know, how does it impact us? How does it become something that is applicable to us? Well, first of all, the good news of the, the kingdom of God means that you, might be, you must be in the kingdom. And if you're in the, the kingdom, there are certain things that happen. Listen, when, when the writers use that word gospel or euangelion, they were talking about how it was going to change life. The kingdom is going to bring about a new paradigm. It's going to change life in a ton of different kinds of ways. It's going to change the world in which you live and how you view it socially, how you look at it economically, how you look at it politically. The word gospel is charged with that kind of, of thinking. And so it became really good news. I mean, not just good news, but really, really, really good news that Jesus is, is king and that believers should celebrate that fact that he is king, that he has established a kingdom, and that as kingdom citizens, we should live within the borders of that kingdom and not get so caught up with all the things that are happening outside the kingdom. That's hard for us to get. That's hard for us to do because we are news maniacs. We are news hungry. You know, we're gluttons when it comes to news. Not just good news, but even bad news. And so we find ourselves getting caught up into all the news that's going around in our world, and we forget that we're the victors, that we are the winners, that we are a part of a kingdom that can, that will, that's everlasting, that can never be uh, destroyed. And so the gospel of the kingdom was socially charged. And by that I mean it gathered together uh, all kinds of people, no matter what their backgrounds uh, were. That's what the gospel was about, calling people to himself. 
Think about it. Jesus placed value on a child when he takes him and puts him on his lap and says, listen, those who are going to be part of the kingdom must become like children. Children were valuable. Or he allowed and invited women into the ranks of the disciples. They weren't apostles, but he, they were invited into the ranks of the disciples. That was unheard of in, in Jesus' day. Jesus touched or allowed a woman who had a hemorrhage to touch him and him touch her back. A woman with a hemorrhage of blood. That made him unclean to do that. Or he touched a leper. Touched that leper. And in doing so, makes himself un unclean. He ate with sinners and tax gatherers. You don't do that, but he did. He healed the Samaritans, the Gentiles. He reached out into all segments of society, no matter who you were or what you were. He didn't allow the borders or the perimeters of the world to establish those that were in need of being in the kingdom and those who were in need of a king and a, a savior. So the, the gospel is socially charged. It's economically charged when you think about it. It's an economy that trusted in, in God. It's an economy of caring for those who are less fortunate than ourselves, those who are in, in need. I mean, look at this passage. This is Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. It looks a lot like what is said in chapter 4 and verses 23 and 24. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. To bring good news to who? To the poor. Maybe he's talking about e e economy type things, or maybe he's talking about those who are poor in spirit, but regardless of the fact, he said, I came to proclaim good news to the poor. Those who are disenfranchised. Those who are despised. Those who are seen as less than others, de-esteemed because of their social status. Jesus was not about that. So the gospel of socially charged with not only changing things socially, but economically in the same way politi is politically charged. Today, you know, in, in America, okay, not what's happening in the UK or in Russia or Ukraine or Iran or any of those places in the United States. We have Democrats and and Republicans and Libertarians and we have liberals and we have conservatives and progressives and we have all those kinds of things. Don't think for one second that they didn't have that in Jesus' day. Don't think for one second that they didn't have their caste systems, their sect systems, their political systems. They had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had the Romans, they had Herod as a king. You had the emperor of Rome, you had the soldiers in the city, you have all that stuff that was there in, in their day. And they were reading the newspapers like we do as well. And they can see a lot of the vision that was there. But for Jesus, those who were following after him, they recognized something about him. They recognized that, that, you know, Herod was not their king. They were citizens of Israel, but he was not their king. That Tiberius was not the emperor, though he was politically an emperor. They recognized that there was one king of kings, lord of lords, one who was sovereign and over all, given all power, dominion. And as was mentioned, I think it was by 
oh, I can't who mentioned it now, uh, mentioned it in Matthew, the 28th chapter and verse 18, no one did. You know, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I have all authority. So he's talking about being first in our allegiance, first in our loyalties. So that's back then. How about as we talk about the application of it in our lives? Well, there's good news and there's bad news. What do you want to hear first? Okay, I'll tell you the bad news. Here's the bad news. The bad news is, is this. Our society is sick. That's the truth. Our society is sick. There is a profound mistrust that has always existed, but it's growing more virulent almost every day in our country, probably in, in the world. It really is. You know, you know, whites don't trust the blacks. The blacks don't trust the whites. You know, I, you hear people say, well, you know that about those white people. You know that about those black people. I don't know how it has happened, but somehow we've allowed the color of a, the pigment of a person's skin to define and to characterize who they are as an individual and have thrown everyone under one big lump of black or white and some in between. That's I mean, how do you fix that? I'm not exactly how you fix that, except for I know how the gospel can, can fix it, but it is, it is super there in a real kind of way. There's, there's the racial trouble that I just mentioned. There's economic trouble. You know, almost all of us have heard say that, you know, the rich are getting rich and the poor are getting poor. 7.5 inflation rate. Um, the middle class is disappearing. I mean, think about this for a second. Uh, who do you think is struggling the most when it comes down to 7.5 rates, inflation rates? Who suffers the most? Those who are rich or those who are poor who are trying to make it from week to week, paycheck to paycheck, who have to count every penny to make it, make it happen? The middle class is shrinking, and, and, it, and, it, and it may get worse before it gets better. Political trouble. I mean, there are no modern, moderates any, anymore. There's no centrist anymore in the political system, which is interesting because when George Washington gave his farewell address, he warned them about party spirits being so distinct and so at animus with one another that they can't come together and work things out. And he says, and if you don't learn to do that, if you just go to one party, then you're going to have tyranny. And so here we have a country where there is, they don't talk with each other. They don't try to figure out what's best for the country. They talk about what's best for their party. And I know their party represents their morals, their values, and all those other things, but that's where we are. And, and I've lived long enough to see how it was one way when they kind of worked across the aisle and how there's become really, I mean, it's not just philosophical, it's emotional. The right hates the left, the left hates the right, the right is evil, the left is evil. And so you have these huge extremes that are there. Will it get better? I, I don't know. I don't know. So our society is, is sick, and that's bad news. But the good news is there is an option because there's another kingdom, and that's what we are about. 
Jesus came proclaiming the good news of a kingdom. He's going to establish a kingdom that's going to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and faithful. It's going to be a different kind of world or view that we can have in this, in this life. So good news for the, is that we are kingdom citizens, and somehow we've got to get out of that mindset that says that we are part of this world. We are part of this world, but we're not of this world. We're kingdom citizens. Yes, we are U.S. citizens, okay? But first and foremost, our allegiance is to King Jesus and his kingdom. And living within the perimeters of that kingdom will make us happier people and it really is good news. So as Christians, we need to refuse being drawn into, this, into the world's vortex of distrust and, and hatred for people of different colored skin. I mean, we just got to get by that, where we don't look at people as African-American or as Mexican-American or Asian-American or, or white Americans. Or I mean, I mean, Jesus, even Paul said, listen, who are the sons of faith? Who are the sons of the kingdom? Well, verse 27 says, those of us who have been baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Male nor freeman, uh, or male or female, or bondman and freeman, those social classes are not there. And if you plan on getting to heaven, you better get your mind straight on that and your mind around that. That there are not black and white Christians and Hispanic and Asian Christians, there are Christians. That's who we are. And that's the good news of the kingdom because that knocked down really what, you know, what was talked about in our class this morning about status and all those things that sometimes we get broke down into that we allow our, our, our world to segment and divide us. We need to refuse to honor the rich for their riches or to assume a man is lazy because he is poor. Because that may not be anything close to the truth. Of, the, of the, the matter. We need to practice being good Samaritans toward our neighbors, is what I'm saying to you. We need to practice the golden rule to do unto others as we would want someone to do unto us. That's the golden rule. Those are the rules of the kingdom that Jesus has laid for us to think about that's really good news. Because now I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know, I know that every person is my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Anyone who's in need becomes my my neighbor and what do i want done to me is what i want done for that person as as well we need to watch out for political trappings of labels that divide us democrats republicans libertarians conservatives progressive how about just christian how about us being just christians as christians we're to uphold the values the morals the ethics of the kingdom that's revealed in God's word and make those a part of our lives and those that we stand on. And it may line us up with one party over the other, okay? But at the end of the day, we're first and foremost Christians and our values are those of the kingdom. And so we need to choose. I guess that's what I'm saying. We need to start making some choices. Choose what kingdom we're going to be a part of. Who are we really the citizens of? And which one is the most lasting Citizens of the United States, it's going to be great as long as you're above the ground. Once you're below the ground, it's not going to matter. But if you're a citizen of the kingdom, it's going to make all the difference in the world.
So you're going to live forever as a citizen of the kingdom. Because Jesus is going to deliver the kingdom back to his father. And that's going to be in heaven. And that's where we want to be. So we need to make choices. So let me talk to you just a few moments about choosing the kingdom. If we look to our secular, just hear me out. If we look to our secular culture to demonstrate the attributes of a spiritual society where we really do love each other, where we really do care for each other, you can't look to this world because you're going to be sorely disappointed because it's not going to get there. The healing of a societal, economic, or political ills will never be found through riots or bailouts or legislation. You can't make enough laws to tell people to love each other. Because the law said to me, Richard, you're going to love these guys. You're, you are going to love them. You're going to love Tyler there. And I can say, I don't have to love Tyler. I'm a citizen. I don't have to love him. He's a rotten kid. I'm not going to love him. <laughs> Actually, he's not a rotten kid. But, 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 but if you're waiting for that, there's no law that's going to do that. The society you want, the society you dream about, the society is, is, is possible only in one place, and that's in the kingdom. Because the country can never do that. But you can. And I can. I can learn how to treat you well and to love you and to be compassionate. Now, I'm not saying that I always do that well. Okay, I'm like you. I'm trying to grow in my faith. But, but that's where I want to be. And that's where we all should want to be as part of the kingdom. I love what Jesus said. Jesus was going about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So, extra, extra. Change is coming. So I want to share something with you, okay? I want you to think about something uh, with me. This is kind of going, what would you say if I told you that I'm going to help you to remove anxiety out of your life? or at least some of it. Remove anxiety out of your life, stress out of your life, discouragement out of your life, and give you hope. Would you be interested in that? Okay, so here it comes. This is the big deal. So the, not to everyone, okay, because some of you may not fall under this, but for those of you who are into this, this is going to be a big deal. How about take one week break from the news? Take a one week break from the news. In other words, turn off or quit reading the bad news. I'm talking about turning off ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, Newsmax, KBOI, MSN, Fox News, whatever. Turn the stuff off for one week. Just turn it off from one week and see if your anxiety and your stress and discouragement levels don't go down. Turn it off. And in place of it, dwell on good news. Dwell on good news. Okay, so what is that good news that we're talking about here? Well, look at Philippians 4 and verse 8. Because it's, it, it, I mean, it's great stuff. This is how Paul said to get by, how to rejoice in life. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known unto all men that the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, finally, brethren, whatever is true, 
whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. One week. Turn off the news. I promise you. I promise you. In one week, all that stuff that you turned off will be there. Russia will still be on the Ukrainian border. Roger, Aaron Rodgers will not have decided where he's going to play football. There will still be a crisis in the southern border. Inflation will be 7.5. They'll still be talking about mask mandates and vaccine mandates. They'll still be talking about Hillary and Trump. That stuff is not going anywhere anytime fast because it makes too much money. Turn it off. What do you think about that, Clint? You think you can turn off the news for a week? <laughs> my wife asked me, I tell her, she's looking through my PowerPoint to see if I've made any mistakes in it, and she goes, you think you can do that? Because <laughs> I am. I'm a, I, I'm a news junkie. I get up in the morning. I, I don't watch news. I read news. Okay, so I get on MSN and see what they're saying. I want the other side of get on Fox and see what they're saying. You know, I just kind of surf around like that and see what's happening around. But it's all just rotten stuff. And, but I'm addicted to it. And so I'm just going to go, for this week, I'm not going to watch it. That's me. I'm just not going to watch it. And I'm going to see if maybe I can dial myself down a little bit and sleep a little bit better at night. I would encourage you to do the same thing. Obviously, it's just as an opinion. Obviously, I have no Bible to say you've got to turn off the news. But I think it's wise to do so. Good news. Good news is this. Jesus is still on his throne. God is still in control and in heaven. And guess what they both love? Or who they both love? Well, they love you and me. And that family is good news. That's good news. Okay, so one of the things you can turn off the news, but if you're not already in the kingdom, why not be a part of the kingdom this morning? And come forward and give yourself to Jesus Christ. Allow yourself to confess Jesus as the Son of God and as Lord. To be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. To walk faithfully. Why not begin that journey this day? Or together we stand and sing and give you opportunity. Uh -huh.